1990, the internet as we know it was created. An invention of infinite possibilities and unknown potential. There are now over 2 billion websites currently in existence. A wealth of information, functionality, and social media. However, if you dig deeper, there lies more beneath the surface. The strange, bizarre, and dark corners of the net. Welcome to the Weird Wide Web. Welcome back to the Weird Wide Web, episode 6. Back in it. Full disclosure, we are re-recording this episode because the audio gods did not shine fondly upon us and fucked up our original recording, which is a real shame because I think it was the best recording we ever did. Yep, and you know what? It's going to stay that way because this one's not going to be as good. (laughs) Yeah, confidence is low. We're back in it, but it is very exciting because we're back diving deep into a subject that is fond to your heart. We're talking Final Fantasy. Yeah, we are. We're talking the Final Fantasy. Now, I'm not a... I was never a big Final Fantasy kid. I don't know much about it, but you played a bit of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Got really into it. Um, Mutual friend, Tom. We... uh, I slept over his place once in, like, fourth grade, I think, and stayed up the entire night playing Final Fantasy IX like him and his brother um and then from then on i was searching every GameStop and didn't realize how many final fantasies there really are and there's like the the sub ones the part b's the random origin story spinoff it's wild but it's uh an awesome kind of series that that i definitely still love all that i really am aware of is the like k-pop version that came out recently where they're just kind of cruising around in a convertible. I don't know. Oh yeah. Drinking beers. Is that 15, 15? I surprisingly thought that number would be higher. No, no, that's the demographic. That's the demographic. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Gotcha. It's the age group. I see. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Black convertible K-pop haircuts. Uh, It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, we are not going to be talking about any specific games in the Final Fantasy universe, but we will be talking about a Final Fantasy cult and the experiences of some of its members, victims mainly. But it all has to do around it all revolves around this belief of soul bonding, which is not a new concept to you now, but it was introduced to you that it's this idea that you bind yourself to the like spirit of this character. And you are like that character takes on its own life. Essentially. You have these many different people living inside you. Yeah. Uh, heard it still just as weird. Soul bonding people living inside you. They're anime characters. It's a it's a weird little world they got going on. Yeah, but it's exciting because it's attached to video games, and who doesn't love a good video game? If you were to we we did talk about this, but if you were to soul bind yourself with a Final Fantasy character, 
who to be. Yeah. Uh, what did I? I said I think originally like everyone would want to be like Cloud and like the cool fucking guy. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm I'm what's his name, the captain or whatever from Final <laughs> Fantasy Nine. The guy in the in the, the suit costume yeah the night yeah it, it was a costume night co- the night costume that's night what costume. we came to uh came to realize is that he was just wearing a costume yeah it makes perfect sense it was you have to do the whole play scene at the beginning he runs out on stage and so it's established if you wear something on stage it's a costume yeah and it makes total total sense and it's not a costume unless you have first appeared on stage with it. I think that's just completely reasonable. Yeah, that or or Halloween. Or Halloween, which is the world stage. Uh, uh, for Ding Dong Ditch? <laughs> for toilet paper? Yeah. Do you think, because Cinco de Mayo is just a big conspiracy for beers to sell beer, do you think Halloween is just a big conspiracy to sell toilet paper? No, I think Cinco de Mayo is a huge conspiracy to sell toilet paper. You eat that much Mexican and beer? Oh, God. That's more than Halloween. Better stock up now. Yeah. So we're going to take you through this weird fucking Final Fantasy cult. We're going to take you through mainly through the eyes of this one victim who experienced it. This poster who created this website. Well, he first let everybody know online through a live journal post. This is how it first got out of like, hey, I went through all this, basically. Uh, But then he made a website to catalog everything. Other people who had experienced it, they also gave their own personal write-ups and stuff like that. Uh, But we're going to take it through his kind of like introduction and experience through this weird, weird Final Fantasy cult. I have no idea what's about to happen. A total mystery. So, the Final Fantasy cult. The poster, who we'll refer to as Zack, was a college freshman at the time, nerdy, shy, with a self-prescribed drinking problem. He ran a moderately popular website devoted to the Final Fantasy character's cloud and the far more minor character, Zack. He used the site to post user-submitted fan mail and fan art of the characters. The site also advertised an AIM name for users to reach out and chat. Zack states that he was eager for the site to succeed and was excited when a stranger reached out, offering a link exchange. Wait, so all of this happened on, on AIM? Well, like the conversations, yeah. But they had like their own websites. I didn't even think about that. So this is all like Oh, imagine trying to do culty shit and talk about this stuff and you get like an away message like ah oh, shit now i gotta wait yeah. <laughs> what 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 really impactful song lyric do you think they had as their going away message oh it, it's gotta be something good i'm thinking well what what time is this around he posted the live journal around 2005, so I think his experience was probably a year or two before that, but that's just me kind of assuming based on how he talks about it. Is that like prime Hoobastank time? Ooh, you think he's a big Hoobastank? <laughs> I think that's prime Hoobastank time, and he's just a way message Hoobastank. <laughs> I, I I don't think he would ever go with anything else. He strikes me as a big Hoob fan. A Hoobie, if you will. A Hoobie. A yeah. Hoobie. Initially, 
he assumed this person was pushing a little podunk GeoCities page and was excited to see they had an actual domain, hojo.com. Zach was unfamiliar with the site and proceeded to investigate. The site appeared fairly normal, mainly personal, with a bit of a shrine to the character Professor Hojo. Nonetheless, in the pursuit of internet fame, the link exchange commenced. The stranger had only introduced themselves as Hojo and insisted on calling him Zack, which he was fine with as it was his favorite character. Everything proceeded normally from there. The two communicated every once in a while but found they didn't have much in common. One day, Zack posted a fan art of the villain Genova from Final Fantasy. Stretching his creative muscles, he decided to write up a short mini-story for the artwork and posted it below. Hojo quickly IM'd Zack and commented on how great the write-up was. Zack is flattered by this and thanks Hojo. Hojo then goes on to ask Zack, It was really realistic. Was it a memory? Zack was confused and unfamiliar with the concept, so he naively responded, No, he had just made it up. Confusing Zack even more, this response appeared to disappoint Hojo, and the two did not talk for a few days. Then, out of the blue, Hojo reached out to tell Zack her wife would like to talk to her. Hojo's wife's name was Jen, but insisted on going by Genova, the tentacle villain from Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Getting into the good stuff now. Tentacles, baby, you know where we are. <laughs> The internet. Uh, the aquarium. Zack recalled her emote poking him with her tentacles, but wrote it off as harmless role-playing. After all he had friends who were furries, he could deal with this. Jen began immediately pressuring him about his beliefs in magic. Zack explains that during his high school years, he had a brief stint as a pagan but long since realized the practice as bogus. Jen then laid out the question that would be the first few snares pulling Zack into the tumultuous world of the Final Fantasy house. Do you have any memories of past lives? No. Oh, and we're done. That was another great episode <laughs> of Weird Wide Web. Uh, escape, the, escape the cult. Apparently they're bad, but who knows? You just said no. Hey, just Nancy Reagan, no. just say no. Worked out for her, right? <laughs> I don't know what Dude. that's supposed to mean. I, I, you lost me on that one. Is she dead? <laughs> Not if she said no to death. Just say no. <laughs> Zach admits that he does believe in past lives. With many references in many cultures, it seemed reasonable. Jen launched herself into a tidal wave of explanations surrounding alternate universes. She proposed that in all these universes, maybe, just maybe, video games were real in one of them. And if that was plausible, then through a reasonable leap, these video game characters could be one of their past lives. Jen was referring to soul bonding, an offset of other kin. Soul bonding is a term for people who feel so connected to a character, they begin to take on a life of their own. Jen pressed on explaining that the poster was Zack. You were both country-grown. Both had the instinct of dragging off friends who could be left behind. Both would take a bullet for someone, wouldn't you? You don't believe in magic, just like Zack. Based on the five or six lines, Zack had your same speech patterns. And you live in a basement. 
and Zach was locked in one. You are Zach. Oh my God. It makes sense. Does it? No. Am I hooking you in? No? Well, one of the things I didn't realize was the idea of the past lives being alternate universes. Yeah. So well, because they don't, they're, Nile, they're not crazy. They don't think that video games are real in this universe. They think that maybe there's one universe in which video games are real. Don't be silly. I believe that a lot more because <laughs> some video games are so insane. And like mm-hmm. to put together that story, it, it had to have happened. Yeah, it's like Philip K. Dick, like I talked about last time. Because <laughs> Philip K. Dick, he believes that he was writing alternate realities of a future or a past that already happened. He didn't think he was just making up stories. So if he believes it, who's to say, you know, speaking into existence, that's exactly it. You know? Yeah. And what if in an alternate universe, this podcast was successful? Couldn't, couldn't imagine it. <laughs> couldn't imagine it. Now you're talking crazy. <laughs> Soul bonding, on the other hand, completely reasonable. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Zach innocently did not read much into these rants. He moved on with the mindset that these people were simply in search of an online friend to do a bit of role-playing. They remained in contact, and the discussion of past lives or soul bonding rarely seemed to come up. Soon, the planning for Zack's first trip began and was set for the week before Christmas. Zack ate the personal cost of $300 for the bus ride to State College, PA, with the promise from Jen to pay for food. With that, the toxicity... Of the group took its first foothold into Zack's life. Zack arrived at the bus station and was greeted by Hojo, adorned in a white lab coat matching that of the character Professor Hojo. Zack discovered that Hojo was in fact a girl, a fact that Zack notes wasn't a problem, just surprising. The two arrive at the apartment and were greeted by a manic woman screaming at the top of her lungs at Hojo. She was disheveled, looking like she had just woken up, and had a purple skirt pulled up above her breasts. Then, in an instance, she spun around, transforming into the nicest person ever, and greeted Zack. Zack was taken into the apartment and was met with a nest of clutter. Papers, clothes, and large amounts of glitter were strewn across the floor, another red flag that Zack would ignore and justify as some goofy, messy college kids. I'm so glad you got through that line this time. (laughs) It was just six times in a row. Because strewn, it's strewn across the floor. What can I say? You make me nervous in person. I'm sorry. (laughs) Being the first week before Christmas, Zach had purchased some gifts. Specifically, he had bought a $30 set of nice watercolors for Jen. As she, had, as she had mentioned, she was an artist. While Jen showed Zack her art, he soon realized she didn't have the slightest idea about art. He worried she would not even understand how to properly use the watercolor set. Though upon giving her the set, she repeated over and over again, Of course I know how to use them! A statement that would later prove very untrue. Jen and Hojo took Zack around that weekend, introducing him to some of their housemates and others. He met Ares, Sid, Jai, and others who Zack has since forgotten. These names were all their soul bond names and characters from the Final Fantasy world. The trio then made their way to the mall, 
where Zack would get his first taste of being truly frightened by Jen. The incident revolved around purchasing an item from the mall. Jen and Hojo did not have enough money to purchase it, and neither did Zack. He was then stuck in the middle as Jen exploded, stormed out, and began sulking on the side of the mall. They returned to the apartment, and the event was swiftly forgotten about. By the end of this trip, Zack came to the troubling conclusion that Jen, in fact, was not role-playing. She not only believed to be soul-bond to one character, Genova, but many. Jen referred to these other personalities, or other selves, as her children. Jen would deploy these other selves based on whatever the situation and whatever would bring her the biggest personal gain. Zack was not fooled by this manipulation, knowing all too well this was just Jen. At the time, Zack was going through some family issues with his mother, and at one point had a bit of a breakdown. Jen and Hojo jumped on this weakness immediately. Jen began offering him numbers to youth support groups and started the idea that he needed to get away from home and abandon his family. Jen sympathized with stories of her abusive mother and absentee father. She also slipped in a story of an abusive friend who had trained her to be Sephiroth. Hojo and Jen both digging their claws even deeper into Zack's fragile psyche. Eventually, Zack was able to smooth things out and only stayed a few days longer as a take-that statement towards his mother. Exhausted, mentally fragile, and penniless, Zack made his way to the bus stop to finally leave this place and get home to Brooklyn. However, not without Jen throwing one more wrench in the weekend. Jen being the only one with a computer in the apartment, Zack was not able to verify the leave time for the bus he needed to catch. Relying completely on Jen's information, Zack would arrive at the bus station and discover the bus had left an hour before he got there, a mistake Jen wrote off as an honest one that delayed Zack's return home by another whole day. Oh, there's nothing honest about that. Nothing honest at all. She just wanted to trap him there. Yeah. Take his money. Fuck you, Mom. I'm staying over another night. Yeah. My $300 bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? It's insane. $300. Where Where was he coming? He's coming from Brooklyn, right? From Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. No. I don't think he was in Brooklyn. I think because he was going home to Brooklyn. So what was he in? California? I don't think he would take a bus from California, but I can't <laughs> remember where he was from originally. Either way. That's an expensive bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, three hundred dollars, and you get off, and I, I expected you to say like, "Oh, he was greeted by a chauffeur," but no, it's this crazy lady in a fucking lab coat. <laughs> Let me get off my three hundred dollar bus to State College. Who is going? Who would pay three hundred dollars to go there? Nerds, baby, <laughs> nerds. nerds. People into ice cream. They have a they have like an ice cream major at Penn State. Do they have an ice cream major at Penn State? Yeah, it's like Penn State Creamery. You just eat ice cream? No, that's just what the sorority is called. Boom! The Penn State Creamery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, sorry. We don't want to make fun of people who pay for friends. <laughs> yeah, That's right. You're being made fun of by a college dropout. <laughs> yeah, you... You paid not to have friends. <laughs> I paid not to have friends. I spent a lot of money on things that kept me inside and in my room a lot. <laughs> yeah. We won't go into those. Checkers. <laughs> Ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
let's move on to the many visits that then preceded this initial. Yeah, to break the bank on $300 a visit. I mean, that's a rich college student, if that is the true price of the bus tickets. Over the next following months, Zach would go on to make many more visits to the apartment. During this time, Jen dragged him into magic fights. Essentially, LARP fights. Lightning bolt! (laughs) (laughs) God, I love that video. It's so good. Lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! You're out, dude! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what was that LARPing movie with McLovin? That movie was great. Oh, um... Fuck. It's got the like, blonde dude, and they're into kiss. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's in it. Oh, oh, Bro- uh, uh, grown ups? No, no. <laughs> oh my god. Her. Oh god. No, no I th- can think of it. It's it's th- like they, the big brother, big sister thing. Yeah, they work with they work for the energy drink company. Oh, uh, what's it what called? The fuck is that called? I can probably quote the movie before I can name it. I could definitely quote the movie before. Minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her you like your whisper guy. Oh yeah, what the? Fu- I'm not looking it up. We need to. No, think of course of that. not. I'm not looking it up. Just continue with the story, and it, it's gonna come to me. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. Zach began getting closer to one of the members in the group, Aries. Jen proceeded to start pushing Zach and Aries to sleep together, threatening to put aphrodisiacs in their food. She protested that they had to be together because those characters were together in the game. To Jen's disappointment. Zack never took the bait, mainly because Zack and Ares were just good friends, and also due to the fact that Zack was asexual. Role models! Role models! Yes! Oh, role models! What a great movie. Yeah. What a that, great, great movie. That's a great movie. Talk about a sexual. Paul Rudd, am I right? Oh, he is a sexual. He was a sexual boy. He shrinks down and he goes big. And he also plays (laughs) (laughs) Ant-Man. To Jen's disappointment, Zack never took the bait, mainly because Zack and Ares were just good friends and also due to the fact that Zack was asexual. Annoyed by this, Jen assumed the personality of Ares' imaginary boyfriend. Zack was plagued by the two loudly kissing at night while he lay awake on the futon. So she basically kept trying to push them together because this is what their characters, their soul bond characters were supposed to do. And when that didn't work, she was just like, oh, I, I, I am the boyfriend of Ares, so I will be with you. And then they just started making out. Oh, so they so her and Ares were like, hooking yeah, up then? Jen and her Jen and Ares were just started making out. A that ton. sounds like it was probably forced. It doesn't sound great. Doesn't sound great. I remember reading that Zach was like, I don't understand. I've talked to Aries a lot and she's definitely straight. I don't think she believes that Jen is a boy now, but I also don't. They're still doing it. <laughs> it's a very confusing thing, but we'll we'll talk more about. Uh, I think I'm probably saying her name wrong. Is it Aris? Is that a character more? I've been saying uh, Aries. I don't know. Stick with Aries. I think Aries is good. I'm going to go with Aries. And anybody who wants to correct me, please, please, we need interaction with from our audience. Please correct me if you want. Tell us we're wrong. We'll love it. Yeah. Tell Yale he's wrong about a lot. Because <laughs> honestly, I am. Tell him strewn is not a great word. <laughs> <laughs> Glitter what do you want me to write? Strewn. Strewn. Str- strewn. Strewn. <laughs> 
each one of these visits was still costing Zach three hundred dollars. Yeah, fucking insane. I still will never get over that. We could, I will re-record this podcast ten more times. That number is just absolutely insane. It's a lot for a bus ride. I have to say, like we talked about, if he had said train, if he took a train down, believe it. Trains super expensive somehow, almost more expensive than planes. But yeah. not as expensive as automobiles. That's true. I mean, I think I get why. And I mean, I did tell you I just watched Snowpiercer last night on my phone. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that train, if trains look like that. I, mean... I don't know why you keep specifying that you've watched it on your phone. I don't know if you're like, you think that's so, you're proud of that. <laughs> no, it's just it's just what happened. This is it's all a, about detail, all right? It's a the good people, detail. They it's can't a good see detail. anything. I need to. I need to paint the picture. The people tune in for the details. That's what they like. Yes, and and I'm showing. I'm tech savvy. I, I didn't. I used the phone, not just the TV. <laughs> you didn't rent it from a red box. I got it straight on my cellular device. Yeah. I, no, I actually bought it out of a a vending machine at a rest area. <laughs> and put I it sh- on your phone. I shit you not. I recently saw that. Wait, really? There's like movie vending machines. Yeah, if you're you want to go up to Rochester, New York, uh huh, often four, four hours into the drive, you're gonna hit a place that it has a Burger King where uh-huh. the I and the N are out on the lights, so it's just okay. Burger KG. Okay, <laughs> and then to the left of the Burger KG, you will see a vending machine with uh only. It's like the full kind of swirly kind of vending machine, you know, that mm-hmm. shit always gets stuck on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and only the front of those are filled with DVDs. Okay. So only one copy of each Just DVD. one copy so of each DVD. You have, to, you have to really make your decision. How much uh, are they charging for these DVDs? It was like 10 to $15. <laughs> That's a lot of cash to put into a vending machine. Yes. <laughs> like, you're there for a while. Man, I mean, it's it's intuitive, I guess. I, I guess. But anyways, uh, besides that, uh, yes, uh, trains are expensive to, to bring this full circle. <laughs> oh, yes, very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they have to break through snow and, uh, I don't know, feed children to it. Oh, that, yeah, that kind of... No, spoiler. A spoiler for this eight-year-old movie? I don't know. Anyways. Chris Evans was also in a Marvel movie, like Paul <laughs> Rudd. Ah. Yeah, connect Multiple connections. <laughs> Each one of these visits was still costing Zach $300. On top of that, Jen and Hojo would consistently ask for money to buy food, toys, or magical items. Zach obliged as he felt guests should bring or provide something a mindset that would be capitalized again and again by the two soul bonders. Also want to make this point because now listening back, um, the the magical items. Yeah. We just we just kind of skip over that. I, are you confused by it? So she, Jen, would go, oh, look at this fairy headband that this person made on Etsy. I need that. It's magical. It'll give me magic powers. And there's your magical item. It was bullshit. It was just what she decided was magical. I mean, there's kind of a a simplistic beauty to it. Is there? Like, oh, that would be magical. And maybe who's to say it's not magical to her? If it makes her smile, you know, is that magic? Oh, it is magical to her, I think. What what is magic, you know? Is it waiting for your MP to fully uh, kind of sync up and you can throw you a little magic? 
fire or uh, lightning at uh, your character who you're in a fight with that just doesn't move for some reason. Your mana, building a mana and... What are we talking about? Magic the Gather? Are you making a Magic the Gathering reference? No, this is a Final Fantasy reference, you oh, dope. You're talking to somebody who hasn't played them. I'm not going to get these references. Oh, my goodness. Well, you got You need MP, and then you, you use Ether. Mm-hmm. Great crypto plug. Is is MP magic points? Is that what that stands for? Uh, that's a great question. Someone should be able to answer that. <laughs> send it to us guys answer that question it, it probably is though but yeah you use ether to to do it all right to bring all it right. back i mean we will definitely mention more she she does some kind of like magical infusions and stuff like that with the peoples of this house but anyways along with the financial burden events surrounding the group became stranger and more torturous on one instance, Hojo and Jen locked Zack in a soundproof glass chamber in the basement of a nearby school. The two hoped he would remember being Zack. Instead, the real Zack began to panic, banging on the door and wrenching on the handle until they finally let him out. No past memories were obtained through this act. Yeah, uh, again, what, what, how did they get access to the school? It was the school that Hojo went to. Hojo was in school. That's why they were there. Got it. So I'm just now assuming they locked Zach in in a clear ice cream vat. Is, is that what happened? A clear ice cream vat? Oh, well, because they have the the state school creamery. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because why else is there just a glass container that you can lock people in? It, I, it has to be a lab or something, right? It has to be a lab room. Yeah, an ice cream lab. Oh, I mean, an ice cream lab sounds fucking sweet. Yeah. Oh, I I see what you did. Yeah. <laughs> we get paid by the pun. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I guess is my check in the mail or uh... Uh, I'm investing it for you for the future, and then you'll get a big payout. Oh, that that's fine. Is there like an ice cream futures? Because I see a big boom coming soon after this gets out. Yeah, a big ice cream boom. Ben and Jerry's. Hello. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, a new girl, Zar, joined the group, and Jen assigned her the role of Vincent Valentine. (laughs) Oh, Vincent Valentine. What a hot name. (laughs) Yale had to cool himself (laughs) off there. Zack and Zar grew close, seeing the humor in all the serious soul-bonding events Jen tried to force on them, such as a ritual to experience a past life regression. This process involved Zack, Zar, and Jen laying on the floor and listening to the ironically named The Nightmare is Just Beginning on loop, a song that plays when you unlock Vincent's character. Jen was also obsessed with all of them consuming Mako, which was just green Gatorade, and also trying to dye all of their food green as well. She would even periodically call medical supply companies pretending to be a medical student looking for syringes, a scam that fortunately was never successful. Zach observed as Jen lied to vendors, claiming to be a student for discounts and free items. He watched as she lied at the Christian bookstore, claiming to have talked to angels in order to get free books. He stood by as he lost hundreds of dollars from travel and paying for various items for the group. 
Despite all of these things, when the offer came from Hojo and Chen to live with them for the summer, Zack still said yes. Yeah, that is just crazy. It's wild. Like, it really must have had some bad home life to justify moving in with these crazy fucking people. Yeah, or maybe he was just like, I can move in for the summer. It's like this cool area. Who knows? Maybe there will be like this hot neighbor who sneaks into my window at night and my friends don't believe me on it. And then when it turns out the other neighbor is a serial killer, then my friends are like, oh, what what are you talking about? I don't believe you. Oh, yeah. Disturbia. No, 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 no. (laughs) This happened 20 years before Disturbia and it's called Summer of 84. Oh, as in 1984. Yeah, you better believe it. (laughs) It is a very similar plot to Disturbia, as I'm realizing now. I'm just putting it together. The only difference is that Shia LaBeouf was locked in his house. Summer of 84, they just kind of biked wherever they wanted to go. Yeah, they did, you know, kid things. But also, genius move, and we're giving Summer of 84 all the credit because it's an amazing movie. Mm -hmm. But imagine you make a remake of something but just said it before the other movie happened, then basically everyone's just like, no, that happened first. It was it, clearly it was in the 80s. 84. It was in the 80s. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's how you it's we we are giving Hollywood the secret to get away with all the dumb remakes they make. They just take that remake, set it earlier. Boom. It's just a re-release. <laughs> Yeah, you don't need any Shia LaBeouf. I you always just... need more Shia LaBeouf. I mean, the fat kid in Summer 84 is kind of looks like Shia LaBeouf if he put on like 160 pounds. I could see him doing it for a role. I could see that. Oh, yeah. Put a bag on his head, gain a bunch of weight. Totally. Wait, do he put a bag on his head? Yeah, you never seen those pictures? He went down a, it was some event, some red carpet or something. He put a brown paper bag over his head and wrote, I'm not famous on it. And walk down to the red carpet. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I need some more Shia LaBeouf all the time. He's great. Weird, but cool. Yeah, not as cool as Summer of 84. (laughs) Zach was not a fan of being cooped up in Brooklyn every summer. So the idea of getting out for a bit, getting a job, and hanging out with some friends seemed ideal. He made arrangements with his family, packed up, and hand-carried his large PC tower to the bus. Thankfully, this time, he was able to find a cheaper ticket. Only $100. This is, he's just getting played by the his friends. He's getting played by Greyhound. He's just, this guy must be the most gullible person ever. I have to imagine he's just walking to the bus station, and there's just some dude, just some dude there. Yo, hey, where you going? Doesn't matter. You need a bus ticket? I got you. Easy, cheap, $300. This is a good deal. You need it right now? You got to book your ticket in advance. It's $300. This is good to go. And then he walks on. So they're now, presumably, that was a Jewish accent. And so there's... I was going more for like a Long Island type deal. So Jewish. Um... (laughs) Jewish Italian. (laughs) Some Jewish Italian guy that is a scalper at the bus station. At the bus station, yeah. That's where you make the real money. You scalp the bus tickets. Apparently it worked. The day he moved in was one of the few days that Jen was not there. Zack remembers getting along much better with Hojo. That night, the two of them went to see Star Wars Episode One with another member, Trish. 
Zack noted that he could already tell Trish was very anti-Gen. After a few days of hanging out, Zack's mom presented him with an ultimatum. Either find a job or come home. Determined to stay, and with no phone and no car, Zack hunted down a job. After a tiring search, he would score a job at a small supermarket. This would turn Zack into their workhorse. Zack was the sole provider in the house. Hojo was currently a student, and Jen had quit her part-time babysitting job as soon as Zack had found employment. Not that she had been doing that all too frequently, anyways. Zack was made to do the minimal cleaning that did go on in the apartment. Zack shouldered the burden of paying for all the food. Food like expensive $10 steak dinners, which Jen insisted on having, despite Zack's small pay. And all the green Gatorade. And all that green, by the caseload. We also never figured out what flavor is green Gatorade. It is electric shock, I, I think. The f- fuck what what does that taste like i don't know they have weird names and they aren't real flavors yeah oh i mean i get yeah cool blue is definitely not a real cool, flavor yeah like cool blue and red rush and lime green i think you got one that was right <laughs> <laughs> you're making up like powerade those are powerade names oh yeah well were the, did powerade even have names i just remember uh, powerade was like blue Red. <laughs> Purple. Yeah, I think that was it. This was also ignoring the fact that Zack had told them meat, specifically red meat, made him feel ill. A fact which he suffered through as there was no money for anything else. Give me that meat. Jen also occupied Zack's computer almost every hour of the day. When she wasn't on the computer, she was hovering over Zack, watching every key he typed. She even recruited a few members by copying screen names Zach was interacting with. That'd be amazing. I want to see those screen names. Oh, prime, like, 04 video game screen names, I'm sure. Lowercase x, uppercase x, lowercase x, BFF, LMAO. Rufflecopter. Tentacle emoji. <laughs> no, no, no. He wasn't talking with Jen. <laughs> The constant surveillance eliminated any chance at reaching out to anyone telling the world, hey, Jen is abusing me, please help. No call was ever unmonitored. No activity was not tracked. Zach was not even allowed a house key, becoming locked out multiple times when Jen was simply asleep or out. At a few points, Zach even had to resort to dumpster diving just to feed himself. Then came the fighting. However, this was not the imaginary magic fighting from earlier. This was slapping and punching, getting more and more intense until Hojo or Jen would whimper. This was immediately followed by the two of them loudly fucking. When the two weren't feeding each other, then fucking, Jen was keeping Zack up at all hours of the night, pulling him out of bed to go see fairy rings or deal with some magical disturbance. Zack was drained. On top of that, his hours at the supermarket were being cut. He had to resort to day-olds from the market, which he eventually got caught taking. Not to mention, Jen hated the taste of the day-olds and demanded more of the $10 steaks. By this point in the torment, Zack was fully brainwashed. Eventually, Eris became fed up with Jen and the living conditions. She took to her personal blog and wrote out a list of grievances. This infuriated Jen. Later on, 
while Hojo and Zack were in a used bookstore, stealing books, of course. Eris had called and wanted some of her things back from the apartment. Jen erupted at this request. She called Hojo through screaming tears and threatened to kill herself. Hojo called Eris and screamed at her. Zack even admits he screamed at her at this point too. The two jumped in a taxi that they had no money for and raced home. They found Jen sitting in the middle of the floor screaming. She had slit her wrists and Sid was there holding a damp towel to the cut. For a brief moment, Zack had some clarity. Having experienced some self-harm himself, he knew immediately that the cuts were nowhere near lethal. That had probably been made with a safety pin or a butter knife. No true self-harm was attempted, merely a dramatic act to instill pity and cement the other's hatred of Eris. Zack quickly snapped back into his brainwashing ways, sending hateful emails to Eris and ignoring her when she came to pick up her clothes, acts which Zack would deeply regret. These outbursts became a frequent installment into Zack's daily life. Then, sometime after expressing her intention to move into another apartment, the current place had become a cluttered nightmare. Zack would do the dishes as much as he could, but no one would take out the trash, embedding the smell of rotting flesh into the place. Jen blamed this smell on the previous owners, naturally. They ended up moving into a smaller one-bedroom apartment in the same building. When it came to move-in day, Hojo and Jen were conveniently absent. In the blistering heat, Zack packed up the entire apartment and carried it up all two flights of stairs to the new one-bedroom apartment. Zack was running on no food, no sleep, and was dehydrated. Yeah, you know who else was dehydrated? Who? The people who just kept beating and fucking and beating and fucking. Gotta find these fairy rings and beat my hojo and then <laughs> fuck her. And... Weird dynamic for sure. I don't know how she keeps roping people into this fucking bullshit. Yeah, I don't know how he's staying and then not a, not even staying. He has an excuse to leave. They're, they're moving all their shit. Like, dude, just, just walk down the stairs. Don't yeah. go up. Just walk he, down. He talks about the fact that when he was moving, like, they knew he was moving all the stuff. And he was packing up all the drawers. And he pulled out one drawer. And he found all of Jen and Hojo's dildos. And he was like, it was just, they knew I was packing all this shit and they didn't even warn me be like, you know, watch out the bottom drawer. <laughs> it's just like, he's like, I had to fucking pack them. Well, he probably purchased them in the first place. Probably. And the, well, they were magical items. Yeah. If anything's going to be a magical items, I'm sure it's <laughs> that. That's your magical item. The smaller space escalated the situation even more. The fighting got worse. The trash problem reignited itself in the new place. And the fucking got louder. <laughs> <laughs> and the smell returned within days the purple skirt that jen had worn on their very first meeting the week before christmas she still wore every single day refusing to bathe jen covered herself in essential oils creating what zach described as a miasma of filth with sparkly fairy artificial sugar scent sprayed over it. Zack was also at a mere one hour of work a week at this point. He was moments away from a breakdown. On one extremely rainy day at work, the supermarket lost power. This resulted in the store shutting down and all of the workers, including Zack, being sent home. He had no umbrella, no raincoat, and no money, forcing him to walk home. 
Arriving home soaked and exhausted, he left his shoes outside the apartment to dry. The next morning, someone had stolen his shoes. Zach was broken. All the time of abuse, bullshit, magic, and absolutely draining of his finances. Stealing his shoes was the final straw. I can just see that. Like, a, just such a defeated guy. And then he just goes out. He's just like, that's fucking it. I'm fucking done. The shoes, that's it. I got tails. I'm in the dumpster. You take my shoes. <laughs> With that, Zach put on a fresh pair of clothes packed up what little edible food he could carry, and grabbed the last $5 he had left. He didn't have enough money to leave the town, but he did have enough to get away. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Apparently it's the most expensive thing to do is leave this town. $300. Well, $100 now. Oh, oh so he can get a 20th of the way. <laughs> Hop on in, Zach. Zach loitered around homeless for a few days, hanging out by the church at the bus station, then got up the courage to call Sid, who proceeded to help him get some items he had left at the apartment, a good meal, and contact his father. His dad quickly got him on a flight, and Zach slowly started to build back up his life and the friendships he had lost. So that's that's kind of the the end saga of Zach's experience with this. We have a bit more to go into about like what happened to Hojo and Jen and also what Eris got up to. Ooh, what did they get up to? And that's not a cliffhanger. We're going to get into it right now. <laughs> oh, part three. Part three. <laughs> Skip over two. Sequels are never good, but the third ones can bring it back. Well, all we got to do is set it before <laughs> this last part, and apparently <laughs> it'll be fine. The prequel. <laughs> Weird Wide Web 1984. <laughs> that, the internet's not working. <laughs> After Zach's departure, a new member would join the soul bonding cult, only known as Angel. Angels described as matching Jen's level of lunacy, only more aggressive and violent. Soon, Hojo was pushed out as Jen's partner, and Angel took her place. Hojo would remain in the house regardless. Then, an old acquaintance would fill the shoes left by Zack. A user known by the nickname Mela stumbled upon Eris's list of grievances towards Jen. Mela recognized Eris's Jen as the Jen she knew way back in boarding school. Interested in reconnecting with an old friend she had long since lost contact with, Mela emailed Eris for Jen's contact info. With a bold claim from Jen that she had, had been looking everywhere for Mela, the two were reconnected. Mela began traveling to go visit Jen each visit unknowingly losing thousands of dollars, starting the cycle of abuse and manipulation that Zack had just escaped all over again. However, this time, possibly a result of Angel's presence, the abuse would be elevated significantly. I think I just caught on to something. Oh. These people sound like they come from like rich families. Like if they're affording these insane bus tickets and like not cutting people off and also the fact that a couple of them just went to boarding school together mm -hmm. mela i think maybe could, or are you thinking like hojo and jen are coming from affluent houses i think maybe and maybe they're just batshit crazy and got cut off that and makes then, a lot of sense so they they know these people they would like know how to get in with kind of these richer people and suck yeah. them into their weird 
cool things like hey we're gonna have a fun seance bring your thousand dollars yeah and then they just manipulate them jen is described like most cult leaders as being like very charismatic obviously like she's you know reeling all these people in and siphoning money sex with them having sex with them and it like just like a cult leader you know she's reeling them in pulling all this money fucking them she just happens to be doing it based around like a dumb video game <laughs> whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Uh, sorry uh a really dumb video game <laughs> <laughs> you piece of shit <laughs> you haven't played them you there's like 40 games you can play you'll play some stupid kanye game but you won't play final fantasy yeah because there's only one Kanye game and there's 35 fucking Final Fantasy games and some of them are split up into multiple discs. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that is that the problem? Your discs? Yes. Not everything's about your disc, Yale. All right. I don't want my disc to be worn out. You have multiple discs? <laughs> you don't? What? Anyways, moving on. Mela began having issues with her mother and decided to finally move out and into her own place. Jen then had the brilliant idea that herself, Angel, and Hojo should move in with Mela. In need of friends that accepted her and just company in general, Mela accepted. This is when the abuse was cranked up to the max. In usual form, Jen and the others began draining Mela's bank account on useless magical bullshit. Unlike Zack, however, the abuse was taken to much higher physical levels. In one instance, the three beat Mela unconscious, and when she came to, they claimed she had attacked them. The funds were soon completely drained. This is when the three abusers would push Mela into stripping to support their excessive spending habits. Pushed to a breaking point, Mela would finally kick the soul bonders out of her place. They left the place a filthy mess, which Mela documented. The three also stole many of Mela's things during their departure, but she did not care, simply wanting them out of her place at any cost. Shortly after being kicked out of Mela's house, Jen and Renee would discover Zack's website and all the backlash towards them. At first, they began defending their actions and spreading more lies. Soon, the hate would become overwhelming and they would begin removing all presence of themselves off the internet. Eventually, no information could be found on the three until they were rediscovered in the Hannibal fandom. After this second discovery, Jen and Hojo again disappeared, and no new information could be found on them since. During the Mela saga, members of the Something Awful forum became interested in finding what happened to Eris. To everyone's surprise, she would pop up on another forum site dedicated to discussing awful roommates, though not in relation to the Final Fantasy cult. It turns out, despite her long list of grievances towards Jen, she would begin implementing her own manipulative practices. After leaving, she began amassing her own collection of followers online. Her ideas still revolve around the practices of soul bonding, Though she had moved on from Final Fantasy and on to another JRPG, Suikoden, her following amassed quickly, and soon she was accepting donations from them online. Using that money, she relocated to an apartment in SoCal, hoping that the area would become more accepting to her practices. The apartment housed five other working professionals, 
with Eris having lied about her current employment status to get in. Eris, upon moving in, spun a story about losing her job. Instead of accepting the help of her housemates to find another job, she instead chose to sit on the couch and play video games. Throughout her time at the place, she would often have some of her followers come and stay to perform in-person soul-bonding rituals. This obviously angered the housemates, but nothing was gained from any of their confrontations with Eris, culminating with one huge soul-bonding event in which over a dozen members were present. This led to the housemates finally kicking Eris out for good. One failed attempt to sue them, and information on Eris soon ended as well, leaving only the horror stories of her and Jen's victims online. And that's the story of the Final Fantasy cult, my man. Wild. Wild ride. We have so much abuse, which is very hard to just comprehend why those people would stay. And You get like, brainwashed. You get stuck. I know. You get pushed into buying, or not even buying, stealing day-olds, and then stripping. Working an I mean, hour a week at the supermarket. <laughs> yeah. Working insane, buying crazy tickets, and then for some, just kind of flowing through the cycle again and creating your own little cult yeah of, wait what was the game again suikoden fucking lame <laughs> not as cool as final fantasy there's probably she, only like 20 of those probably but i mean as much as i mean eris she as much as she hated jen she had it figured out because she, even before she moved into that apartment, she was just kind of like spreading her bullshit online and accepting donations. Like she had it figured out. She had she had it going. She had the workings going. Now, now this is making sense. Why? Because she's the one who started hooking up with, with with Jen. Jen, right? Well, Jen as Eris's imaginary boyfriend, of course. Yes, of course. So maybe that's the thing. If she was like straight, she was just like, let me keep her close. Mm -hmm. Teach me your ways. And then I'm going to improve it. Get those donations and be a crazy person. Yeah. She was like, oh, this shit works. I can manipulate this. The cult of the cult, man. The final fantasy cult. It's uh, it's an interesting one. You know, when you think of cults, you think of these really big organizations where usually like a lot of people die. But there are a lot of these like just smaller belief systems that are just destroying people financially. Yeah, like I could definitely believe this. You, you could have told me this happened a year ago. Oh, yeah. Or today, literally now. You could have told me this. Or you can just keep sucking me into these stories about cults and these weird fandoms and stuff and just indoctrinating me through like some weird podcast. That is the overarching goal of this podcast is to indoctrinate you into the cult that we want, which is this cult of Snake Man. Oh, wait. So then am I like the prophet in that one? I guess so. The Snake Man prophet. Oh, as, as mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, I think since the last podcast, yeah we have found the original uh Woo! printing of snake man it's i'm so excited i'm so excited i'm excited to see what your first issue was i'm excited to see the design i couldn't be more thrilled yeah so this might have to be like a little segment that we'll have to put out some stuff on snake man snake man yeah the story of snake man well another weird wide cult experience that's i i this one i enjoy a little bit more i have to say because it's a little 
a little lighter on the scales of weird things, I think. Still terrible. Still yeah. definitely taking still, advantage. Still very fucked up. Super but, fucked up. But it's a video game. Oh, no. Wait. No, nope. we already had that. Well, it's a password. We'll figure it out. Eh, whatever. Thank you for joining us another another exciting episode of the Weird Wide Web. This is the point where I like to shout out that you guys should follow us and reach out to us and uh, yeah, check out our notes. Oh, what's that? One thing you should, you should probably do. What's that? Go ahead. You, you kind of just end it there and they're like, uh, where do I follow you? Where do I do? Where do I do? Ah, yes. So you're saying I've been a very bad host and that just telling people to follow us and not actually giving them the handles and names to reach out to us is not helpful. I think you're a great host. It's just like you, you did all this work to create the party. You sent out the like invites, but you didn't put the address on the invite. Didn't put the address. And I thought I just had no friends. Well, let's try it a little different this week. If you want to write to us about something you want us to cover, Tell us where we were wrong. Tell me what I pronounced wrong. You can reach out to us by email at weirdwidewebpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram for announcements and the little tidbits and all that at weirdwidewebpod. Yeah, weirdwidewebpod for all your snake man news. Uh, if you like to use Twitter more, you can follow us at weirdwidewebpod. And if you prefer to check us out on YouTube, you can check us out at Weird Wide Web. We post all of our full-length episodes on YouTube as well. If you prefer to listen to us on that, and that's uh, that's all we got social media-wise. That's all I can handle, and I can barely handle that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I do so much. Listen, I don't want to strain the Snake Man profit. Okay, that's true, man. I'm like the house guest that I bring beer. Uh, but then I drink more of your beer than I brought. <laughs> you buy beer that you didn't actually want to drink? No, I just convinced someone to spend $300, come visit me, and buy me beer. But it's day-old beer, so and then I bring uh, it. Man, I've been wondering why those tickets to New Jersey have been so expensive. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us on another great episode of the Weird Wide Web. Stick around. We've got many more great topics and uh, many more laughs with uh, our friendly now.